0: Welcome back to another episode of The Excellence Cartel. I'm your host today, Jeffrey Sue, and I'm joined by Jeff Black, Jason Theobald, and we have a special guest today, and this is our second podcast recording this week. We have Harriet Frew. Is that correct? Is that how you pronounce it? That's correct. And and, and she is from the UK, from the other side of the pond here, and she is an eating, eating disorder therapist, and we're going to be talking about all things eating disorders today, but first, Jeff Black, you're having a bad day. Tell us about it. Tell us about well, your week so far.
1: I'm not having a bad day. I'm actually having like a good day. I'm just enjoying watching people in Nashville with like the little amount of rain and
2: ice. lose. Hey, their minds. Jeff, you're not as loud as you usually are. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Am I louder? Am I louder? I mean, I can hear you, but usually it just sounds clearer and, and more pronounced. I'm worried about on the recording for our, for our listeners. Is anything right. different Well, your I'm sorry, body. guys.
1: If my voice sucks, I apologize in advance. No, it's not you your voice. I just
2: feel like something's not... That's all right. I just wanted right. to see if you could pick something.
0: Maybe it's your ears, Jason. Maybe you're getting old. And we just can We know this. Jason's getting old.
2: <laughs> the beard gets grayer every day.
0: All right. Well, anyway,
1: my last seven days have been easy. Barry had the podcast. We already talked about it with the PEC, but right now, you guys are going to love the ticket I'm assembling for the PEC 6. <clears> yes. It's going to be super cool. We have Aaron... Crawford confirmed. We have Jamie Pender confirmed and we have Chantel Chanel confirmed. Um, and John Jewett just gave me his confirmation as well. So we got four out of seven on the list moving.
2: Um, but otherwise I'm working on my contacts. I have, I have messages out, uh, for my contacts. Well, I'll let you know as soon as I get a response. I think
1: I lost my mic on this. So I'm going to turn it over. I apologize here. Normally I'm not this like incompetent for those listening, but there's something going on with my mic. So with that being said, I'll let you guys pass it over to another Jason. one real quick.
0: Yeah, Jason, go ahead.
2: Um, so um, like Jeff said, we already covered PC. If, you, if you're still curious about that and you're just tuning in uh, to us now, go back an episode. Um, week's been really good. Um, you know, first of all, I, I just got home with a little bit more motivation. I'm in a really good routine now. I'm getting up every morning, walking an hour. It's helping me manage my client load better. And so I see why Jeff Black does it. I'm not going to be getting up at 3.30, but it's way earlier for me, and it's really been good. Um, I've had five new signups. My PCOS class is filling up. Um, I've had a few class bundles purchased. I'm still just offering that at 300. And I also got contacted to mentor a team that's about six and seven coaches, And um, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. They want more functional uh, information. And that's exactly what my mentorship is right now. Um, Basically, I go over the things that are really going to be hitting coaches hard, um, you know, right, right now, you know, one of the main things that I see on the front line. So all good things, man. Um, My HRT clinic, we are in beta testing. So we've taken five or six patients and we're going to run them through our process and then find the holes. I got a branding and website meeting next Friday. Once we get that branding, we're going to get the website up and then we will be full functioning. So anyone listening out there, um, the website will eventually be advanced vitality, hrt.com. And I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm putting a lot of effort into that new business venture. So yeah, things are good, man.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It's been a busy week for me too. I mean, it's been nonstop. I mean, today's Friday. I feel like every day I've worked at least like 10, 12 hours. I was doing a a new client setup late last night. I just got it out prior to signing on here. Um, And then my assistant coach, Laura, and I have another consult to do um, today at at 4.30. And then I have a mentorship call today. I was on mentorship calls all day yesterday. So yeah, things are are busy. I'm trying to stay afloat here, but I can't complain. So I appreciate all the love and support from everyone out there. Um, So now, Harriet. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, how your, you know, last seven days, last week has been, what you're working on, what you're all about. And do you play Wordle? I don't play Wordle. (laughs) Should I be? (laughs) Know what it is, right? No. Oh, you don't. Oh my God. Wordle is a game that originated from the UK and I've been playing it every day. It's a it's like you have six chances to guess a five-letter word. Okay. And, and you just you just guess it, you know, like they give you clues. So if you if you miss, you know, a letter or whatever, they'll tell you, okay, well, this letter is not in the word. So now you, you know, you, you use like a process of elimination to find what the right word is.
3: Oh, well, do you know what I'll have to like check it out? Because I've got three yeah. teenagers. So um, yeah, yeah. they'll probably okay. like thrash me at it. <laughs>
0: But yeah, tell us about your week.
3: Yeah, no, my week's been pretty good. Um, I have lots of individual clients I'm working with at the moment who I um, support in like overcoming eating disorders. So like a whole range of eating disorders. Um, I've also got like some training courses and stuff I'm doing. Um, I have a podcast and I have some online courses as well. So I have like a great variety of different things that sort of keep me busy and interested and sort of passionate about my business. Um, but yeah, and I'm also a mum to three children who are teenagers and they keep me pretty busy. And we enjoy doing lots of outdoor stuff. Like the weather's pretty rubbish at the moment in the UK, but when it gets a bit better, we'll be going like paddle boarding. Um, I go to the gym a bit with my son. And we like the outdoors. It's getting a bit more light now in the UK in the evenings. Um, So, yeah, it feels like a good time of year. You know, you can feel like the spring is on the horizon and really looking forward to the spring and
0: summer. That's good. Hey, Jason, do you think you'd be more depressed living in Massachusetts or living in
2: London? Ooh, probably Massachusetts. probably massachusetts man i don't know I, I don't know i don't know exactly the london weather but man you guys get so much cold and snow it just seems non-ending
0: jason lives in kentucky right in the middle of the u.s and he loves the heat and the, and the sun
2: and i would love to go more southern yeah i, I don't I'd like, like this florida more. yeah yeah
0: yeah so anyways harry we, we brought you on here because you know you do coaching just like us three right we coach in the fitness space you more so focus on the eating disorder um you know, populace here. But you know, there's a lot of crossover between people who suffer from eating disorders and people who are really into fitness. So that's why I wanted you to come on here. But first, I think I want to like start by um, defining what an eating disorder is. Um, Because people think of bulimia and anorexia, but there's so many other like, I guess, subcategories or classes. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
3: So an eating disorder is when someone has a disordered relationship with food. So often there's a real preoccupation with weight and shape and I guess their aesthetic. But underneath an eating disorder, like it appears to be all about food, but really it's a lot about feelings and dealing with problems in life. And I guess that's not often like a conscious strategy that someone seeks out to like, you know, control food, control their body to feel better. But an eating disorder can be a way to sort of numb or dissociate from difficult feelings, boost self-worth, sort of cope when you're going through quite a tricky time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess most people, when they think of an eating disorder, they often think of like anorexia nervosa, where you think about sort of young girls who are emaciated and, um, you know, very, very thin. But actually sort of 85 percent of people with eating disorders are actually normal weight or overweight. Um, It's only a very small percentage are underweight. So many eating disorders are hidden. Mm. And, um, you know, and and I think often as well, you know, obviously, there's anorexia nervosa, can talk a bit more about these in a minute, if you'd like me to, bulimia, binge eating disorder, but also a lot of people fall into the sort of the other category, which is um, OSFED, other, other specified eating and feeding disorder that memorable name but that's where you kind of don't fit neatly into a category but you maybe experience disordered eating symptoms so mm-hmm. many people will fall into that category and um you know really be struggling with food but might not recognize they have an eating disorder because they'll think well I don't have anorexia I'm not a young teenage girl that's not
0: me mm-hmm. yeah I guess my next question, unless the guys have any, do you guys have any questions at this point? So far? Well,
2: I do based on the definition, but I think we want to dig a little deeper oh, yeah. before I bring up to bring it up. You know what I mean? Yep. So like, I'll let you go with like your next few like intro questions. So we get a base and then we I'll, I'll, I'll be involved. Awesome.
0: Okay. I think I'm thinking what you're thinking too, Jason. Yeah. Um, So I guess like my, my next question to follow up would be at what point does something become disordered? Because I almost feel like it's an external label that's being applied to someone's way of life, right? You're being, you're, you're being diagnosed, right. But with having a disorder, but some, a lot of people, right. Either are in denial, right. Or maybe they actually don't have any disorder and they, they live their lives perfectly happy. So I guess what, is a disorder. Like at what point does, does something that you do become disordered versus just someone being very meticulous, for example, with like finances, like being very, you know, you know, careful with their, with their money.
3: Sure. I mean, I guess it's when it becomes like compulsive or a preoccupation and starts to interfere with normal aspects of your life, So, for example, I guess if someone's getting up in the morning and, I don't know, doing lots of body checking, weighing themselves, and I guess not that there's anything wrong with those behaviours per se, but if that's then really impacting their self-worth, maybe it's then meaning that they're not eating properly throughout the day, they're restricting. Maybe, again, they're falling into patterns such as binge eating or purging, or like hours of over exercise. So obviously, those behaviors are quite disordered, they are sort of going into a realm where it's actually quite unhealthy for the body, mentally and physically. Um, so I guess, you know, it's, it's quite difficult, I think, to say exactly where the line is sometimes. And it's often about how someone is approaching something mentally, rather than sometimes the behavior itself.
0: Understood. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking now a lot about bodybuilding and I don't know how familiar you are about bodybuilding and what goes into it, but it sounds like a lot of what you just said is what us three and a lot of our clients do on a daily basis. And because I don't
2: what my question was going to be you know.
0: at the bit here. So Jason, why don't you to follow up with whatever you have in mind?
2: Well, I guess so like we're listening to the definition. Um, I, I mean, I think, I would fall under that. Like, but exactly. I don't, you know, but I don't have a problem going out to eat and straying from my diet. Like, I don't feel like it infects me in a negative manner. So like, I don't know where like the line is, but I'm obviously like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about aesthetics. I've been eating a certain way since I'm 18. Um, so I, I, where does that line kind of draw? Is it to the point where it starts to affect your life and that's when it's really an issue Or, or, or I guess yes. That's my question.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of when it's really impacting your mental health, isn't it? Like if, say, for example, I mean, I guess there is a fine line with this, but say, for example, if you if it was preventing you having good, healthy relationships, if you were, you know, if you were like exercising to the point that other, you know, perhaps it feels a bit obsessive, or you would feel very anxious about missing a session, you know, you would perhaps prioritize that above other aspects of your life. Um, Maybe when someone's experiencing a lot of physical symptoms as well around. And I appreciate like when you're training for a bodybuilding competition, you can't avoid some of those symptoms because it's kind of part of the process. But Mm -hmm. I would imagine as well, like when you've got a healthy relationship with that whole bodybuilding cycle it, it is a cycle, isn't it? It's not like trying to stay super lean and super restrictive, like 365 days of the year. Right. Yeah, so... Some
2: do I, though. I mean, some do. And I think that's where it starts to impact their life, right? Like, so they won't go out to eat, you know, like, oh, I can't go on dates or I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And so that I think is where it starts to impact their life in like our clients. Um, I also uh, we, I, th- I'm going to let Jeff kind of control this, but I do want to get in one of the big things in bodybuilding, especially with females, um, is binge eating. And, you know, I want to kind of pick your brain on that in a minute, but Jeff, I don't want to shoot, you know, jump the gun on anything.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. I think that's a very, very important topic that we got. We want. to. Okay.
2: So then Harriet in bodybuilding, you know, you go through this 16 week prep. And when I say bodybuilding, I mean, bikini figure, I mean, all of this. you know, it's all bodybuilding. So you go through this 16 week prep, everything's weighed, everything's controlled, you've got to know how many calories are in, you're doing a ton of cardio. And what happens to a lot of people after it happens to men, but we see it more in females. um, Because of all the restriction, afterwards, there's a really tough time with binge eating. So, you know, they'll try to get back on a good plan. And then the floodgates will open. And you know, it's a day or two of just Oh my gosh! Any type of food you could think of, and then it's like, all right, now I try to get back at it, and then it happens again. And this is one of those patterns that really plague, like I said, more women than men. It's it's weird because when men do it, it's like, ha ha! I just put down, you know, five thousand calories. I'm up five pounds, and and they really don't care. And then eventually, it seems to work out. But women obviously it affects them way more mentally because the scales bouncing up and down, and it it seems to perpetuate itself. So that's kind of what we see in our industry and our listeners will be able to resonate with some of the things that maybe you can pass on. Like, like, why is that happening? How do you, how do you get out of that without obviously, you know, you're not talking to them, but just some general tidbits.
3: Sure. Well, I guess, um you know, we know from the Minnesota starvation study, I don't know, is, is that a study that you're familiar with? I am. Yep. Yeah. So I, I guess just as a recap a bit nope. on that, you know, we know when a human being is sort of has their calories restricted, binge eating is something that is almost an inevitable outcome you know at least in the shorter term and and I think that's not necessarily you know people will binge eat not if they have an eating disorder but just from the human body being so restricted so I guess it's really tricky isn't it because it's probably a bit difficult to avoid that completely because of it is just as human beings we are built for survival um, and you know our bodies will do anything they can to replenish that deficit of calories um, and, um, you know, they're sort of screaming out for food, I guess, after a competition, but I guess perhaps the difference is like, you're sort of saying the difference in perhaps how females and males might interpret that. Um, I guess if for, for perhaps women, you know, and again, generalizing, there can be more of an emotional reaction to that as well. Cause if you feel that you've been very, very disciplined and on the plan, etc., cetera, having a binge feels like a complete loss of control a complete blowout a complete failure all that yeah yeah so I guess that yeah that really kind of sets people back so I mean I think one of the things when I'm working with anyone with binge eating you know what we'll do is I'm sure you kind of do with people it's like getting into like a regular eating pattern making sure you're including all the food groups making sure you're eating enough protein enough slow release carbohydrates and, and really getting into that like regular eating pattern of eating like every kind of two or three hours so your body knows that it's going to be getting food so then you can't necessarily prevent the binges completely if you've been in a period of starvation but you know you're going to help yourself aren't you because if, if you just try and keep restricting you're going to have like massive binges so I guess it's almost like really taking that on board like the regular eating bit is it's, it's quite unsexy in a way and it's really hard after you've been so lean but that's kind of what you need to do to get your body back into a better place and I guess the second thing is then as well how you deal with it emotionally and you know to be a bit kind of kinder be a bit more kind of compassionate to yourself because if you're kind of coming in and saying oh my god I've blown it I've failed." I'm completely off the plan. You get into those like self-sabotage, self-punishing yeah. cycles, which then lead you to perhaps restrict more again. And then you binge again. And it's just like this horrible cycle. That's really hard to exit from.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think if I was going to summarize that, you know, for our listeners, it's like um, number one, you have to have self-forgiveness. It might happen. Number two I think as coaches who are listening out there, there's a there's a thing in our in our industry, Harriet, where people will slowly add food post show to try to keep someone leaner. And I'm a big proponent of just getting the calories up to a nice area where they're not so hungry. And I think that's what you're saying. You know, you get that healthy food in, you know, well, well placed meals, but get to that point where you know, the starvation signals can kind of mm-hmm. start backing down. So I, I think if, you know, if I summarize that long, wrong, let me know. But I think for our listeners, that's kind of the takeaway points there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, next, yeah. Right. like, um, you know, with what Jason just said, you know, getting the body fat levels back up, especially is very important for women to get, you know, the hormones working again. And I think, you know, until you get to that level of body fat that's required, the body's going to keep sending these signals. Leptin and ghrelin is going to be yeah. on the hunger hormones, and you're gonna have these binges. The other thing is, um, you know, serotonin depletion, and you know, finding things to do and keeping busy post-show because the the contest prep um, journey can be such a, a narrowly focused tunnel that you block off, you know, family, friends, hobbies, activities, and all that stuff, and you stop socializing. And I think integrating that as quickly as possible as you increase food as quickly as possible will help with the mental emotional side as well. So those two, I think are, are key um, to to kind of prevent or, or hedge the risk of um, binge eating post-show. Yeah.
3: yeah, it sounds like you've almost gotta be anticipating like as part of the process of preparing for the show it sounds like it's almost helpful to psychologically be thinking about how you're gonna be managing afterwards almost as part of the process. So yes. I guess if you're mentally geared up for it, like, you know, actually, I need to get my body up to a healthier weight again. I need to be eating regularly. I need to be doing these things. I need to be a bit, showing myself a bit of kindness, et cetera. Absolutely. In a way, then you can, you're going to kind of be more expecting, aren't you? The challenges that are coming rather than holding on to this like fantasy, maybe of like, I'm going to stay super lean, which exactly. is quite unrealistic. It's
0: not going to happen. Yeah, the post-show period should almost be treated as part of contest prep so you go from normal to shredded to the recovery period to normal again that middle part should all be prep and and a coach should not drop a client i've heard horror stories where once the client steps off stage the coach just doesn't respond anymore your plan's over see ya, And, and then they gain like 30 pounds and then they they get they um you know most likely fall into some sort of disordered pattern um so that leads me to my next question Why do people fall into eating disorders to begin with? Like, what have you seen as, you know, common drivers for that? Like bad childhood, like abuse, like what, what goes on? Like what makes people do this?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's complex, a whole mix of things. Obviously some people have experienced trauma and abuse more commonly, actually it's just perhaps people sometimes have come from quite loving families But for whatever reason, they've got like low self esteem, they haven't got healthy coping strategies, maybe for dealing with their emotions. And then I think if you don't feel really good about yourself, it's very seductive to like, change your body, I guess, to gain approval and validation. So it can be sort of like, you know, a road someone goes down initially, almost in a kind of positive way you know they feel like I'm going to lose weight I'm going to look better they kind of get this external validation but then they get caught into negative cycles because I think anyone who is quite self-critical anyone who has low self-esteem anyone who doesn't have good emotional management strategies if they start dieting and they're much more vulnerable to slipping into disordered eating you know, whereas somebody maybe, I guess not everybody that diets develops an eating disorder, but I guess if you've got a kind of healthier um, self worth, etc., you're more likely to kind of know where the line is, where you need to sort of stop and like take care of yourself and take a step back. Whereas if you deep down don't feel good about yourself, you can become really self punishing, drive yourself really hard. And I guess eating disorder, you know, ultimately, it's a coping strategy. You know, if you're thinking about food all the time, it's a way to distract from difficult emotions. So if you've experienced bullying, bereavement, a trauma or something, focusing on food is a way to kind of escape from that. And I think no one wakes up one day and thinks, right, I'm going to focus on food to escape my trauma. But it's kind of an unconscious coping strategy that kind of works quite well. And um, I guess as well, if you've got very low self-worth, but then you develop this identity of being this person from the outside who like is really healthy with their food, does loads of fitness or something, you get a lot of approval and validation for that. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you are relying so much on that as your core self-worth, you're really, really vulnerable because it's, um, it's quite fragile, isn't it? One day you might get a lot of compliments, one day you might not at all um so yeah I guess those are the kind of main things I think the tricky thing as well is sometimes if someone's had an eating disorder for a while it kind of can become a bit of an identity and particularly perhaps as well in the fitness world where if you are seen as the really fit lean one and you get a lot of validation from that it's really hard to be open and honest maybe about eating disorder struggles that are going on beneath the surface and particularly when people around you are really validating what you're doing you can mm-hmm. start to think, actually, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, I think I've gone off a bit of a tangent there. But
1: oh, I hope great. you will oh, answer I, the question. Yeah, yeah, I actually have a question for you. <clears throat> How do you advise someone who just really enjoys eating a certain way? Like me, I like a certain amount of foods. I feel the best way eating a certain amount of foods. And everyone says, oh, that's like an eating disorder. I'm like, no, I, I feel amazing eating just these foods. How do you, yeah, <laughs> like, like, and you know what I'm getting at. Like when I want to yeah. eat off, I'll eat off. But yeah. I, I have some clients who legitimately think that that's like an eating disorder now because they'll eat healthy. And then they legitimately will go over here and eat shit and then be like, well, I just had to do that because I had to feel normal. I'm like, but you felt like trash for two to three days and destroyed all the work. How do you work with someone like that in accepting themselves for that eating habits. Because, you know, I'm, I'm to the point now, people just don't say anything. But when you have some clients who are really building that momentum, really trying to get hooked in, how do you work with them on that as far as turning out the noise of their family and friends for what normal quote unquote is?
3: Yeah, and a good question. I mean, I think there's so much nuance in it, isn't there? Because I think in a way, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to eat really healthy and to put good stuff in your body and be self-caring and to, you know, fuel yourself well so you feel the best you can. But I guess the subtlety here, isn't it, is I guess if you've got a fairly healthy relationship with food, you've got that like flexibility a bit around the edges where, mm-hmm. you know, you can step out of that without it completely ruining your life and you know becoming really black and white um whereas someone that's got that more disordered relationship is either going to be probably like i'm really on it you know like i'm fo- i'm following it completely to the letter or i'm kind of over here um eating all the kind of rubbish or whatever unhealthy food and feeling completely out of control so i don't know have i answered your question there <laughs>
1: yeah no you did i was just curious because that seems to be something i stumble more and more on is people legitimately will eat mediterranean and then they get shamed to death to have five oreos so i just was curious yeah. how you work on that so wow, thank you for that answer
0: so you can yeah. take it back buddy and whip yeah. it down the road i mean it's just like our society in general now that there's just so many conflicting opinions surrounding food it's almost like it's a wild west of topics, and and the body and food is almost taboo in some situations, but wildly talked about in others. And there's just no consistency or general consensus as to how this should be handled. So that's why I think these disorders grow and fester um, in secret. But and that leads me to my next question for you, Harriet: Is a lot of times these disorders these dis- disorders do grow in secret, and it's very hard to tell if someone has bulimia, for example, anorexia might be a little bit easier, or the other, um, other categories which you had mentioned. So how might someone with an eating disorder portray themselves in public? Like, do they do they appear to be disheveled? or very type A? Or, or what, what do you see?
3: Yeah, I think it it depends, like with anorexia, definitely more of that type A driven personality. I mean, I think with bulimia and binge eating, there is no look for an eating disorder. There really is no look. You can't always um, identify that at all, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it's quite common, particularly say with bulimia, that people are very good at presenting an outwardly coping um, person to the world. You know, and I'm not saying that they're doing that in a... Lying or manipulative way. It's kind of a survival strategy. You know, they often someone with bulimia often struggles with things like people pleasing, um, you know, perhaps issues around their identity, like having their own voice and being able to set boundaries with people. So outwardly, someone with bulimia might appear like kind of really happy and positive and helpful and, and engage with people. And then the eating disorder very much becomes the way of dealing with the negative feelings that they don't show to people. So it's almost like binging and purging can be a way of expressing and sort of getting rid of like that anger or anxiety or sadness, which inevitably are going to come up in life relationships. But that's all very much behind closed doors. And, um, and then I think people can feel they're leading a double life because they've kind of got this outward kind of coping persona and then behind closed doors, there's all this shame and secrecy. And, um, and it's very hard, isn't it, I think, as well, to talk to people generally about having bulimic behaviour. It's not something that the general public respond to probably, probably very compassionately and with a lot of understanding unless they have perhaps experienced it themselves or, or know about it.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Jason, you had okay. a question? So I want to I want to give some help here for coaches a bit. Now we you know preach on this podcast, and I think most coaches know like this is beyond our scope. Like we always say, you know, if you if you identify something like this, help your client get a therapist. But what can what kind of support? Because I have clients that are either were anorexic or are actually battling it, and they have a therapist. But what kind of support and what things are good to say and what things are maybe not the right things to say in someone who's battling uh, anorexia?
3: Sure. So as a coach or a carer, family member, whatever, I guess it's always good to approach it like, you know, with warmth, sensitivity, acceptance, because Mm -hmm. someone with an eating disorder is usually really in two minds about change. So if you kind of come in being quite directive, um, they might be very defensive about that. They might not open up to you. Um, So I I guess it's like testing the water a bit and just saying like, you know, I noticed that you're experiencing quite a lot of distress about your body, maybe after this competition or, you know, I'm wondering if you're struggling a bit with your eating, you know, so asking those like sort of open questions, I guess. And then seeing if um, the client will, will open up a bit more, maybe, you know, reveal a bit of vulnerability.
2: So one thing that I do, and you tell me if this is actually not good, I'll set goals that are pretty easy to win, like a gallon of water. And I'll say, all right, let's try to get, you know, they might have a higher, you know, amount of calories I want them to hit. Let's try to hit that at least two times a week. And then as they start hitting those things, I'll say, okay, let's do it three times let's do it for and they're in the background working with their therapist on the emotional stuff it, are goals like that good or are goals like that not a good way to approach it
3: yeah and no, i think goals are helpful okay. and, and i guess the really important thing with someone with an eating disorder is just to make sure i think people generally i'm generalizing here with eating disorders are quite people pleasing so they will tell you what they want you to hear and you know they want to please you they want to kind of do the right thing so I guess it's just really making sure that your client is genuinely on board with that goal and you're not getting into like cycles where you're kind of setting expectations even if they're like kind of realistic and baby steps and then the person's kind of going away and not really doing it, but, mm-hmm. you know, and then sort of perpetuating the sort of shame cycle, like so The
2: shame cycle, the failure cycle. So I try to move in very small baby steps. Um, and I only do this if I know they're with a therapist. Otherwise I'm like, you got to get a therapist first. Um, but I, I have a few situations like that. And um, I have been involved in helping people out of eating disorders uh, in the past with, uh, in conjunction of, of therapy. And, and honestly, when I was younger, I didn't really know to do the therapy. So I did take a few on that. I just helped myself, but now I'm like, all right, we need a therapist involved, um, but that's helpful. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Jeff, did you have a question? Oh, we can't, we can't hear you.
1: No, uh, I don't. I'm just enjoying what she's. Yeah. I just enjoy what she says. Cause I'm a lot like uh, what Jason said. I'll help the best I can, but I still think that it's beyond my scope. And you got to set those people up for success. You do the health and fitness stuff; you know how to do, and then the stuff beyond that's the mental scope, where right, she's the professional.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, Harriet, what? How do you? How do you actually coach and counsel your your patients? Like, where do you start when you get somebody who comes to you and is willing to take the first steps to getting better? How do you walk them through recovery?
3: So firstly, I guess it's like looking at, you know, back at their childhood, their story, things that have impacted them because of there will be a lot of things that have impacted their self-worth, you know, their relationship with food, depending on how that was kind of played out at home. And different life events that may have happened, you know, through their childhood and teenage years. So I guess, first of all, you're trying to like help them have a psychological understanding a bit of why they are doing what they're doing, why they experience life as they do. Um, You then as well work a lot on their motivation for change, because someone with an eating disorder is often really ambivalent about change. So on the one hand, they might come to you saying, you know, I hate this eating disorder, I hate binging, I hate purging. However, I don't want to put on weight, you know, I'm really, really scared of change. So you work a lot with them with their ambivalence, helping them like really explore the pros and cons of change, looking at their values, looking at the bigger picture, you know, helping them to really get on board because obviously, as a coach, with the best will in the world, I can't force someone to change, they've got to step into that place themselves um, and then and then it's just a mixture of things really like, you know, helping them with their like regular eating, establishing like a, a healthier eating pattern um, dealing like with hunger, fullness cues, working a lot on body image. You know, a lot of people have like a lot of issues around their body image, working on self-esteem and then working on all these other sort of psychological issues I've talked about briefly, like, you know, people pleasing, finding your voice, assertiveness mm-hmm. skills you know, the kind of whole package, really relationships, um, because it's just remembering like it it is about food, but it's much more about feelings. And if someone has a very strong need to control things very strictly in their life, whether that be food, their body or something else, it's really likely that other areas of their life feel very out of control. Um, So it's helping them again, I guess, to take back control, to sort of feel empowered. And, um, you know, and they still might want to train or um you know manage their food to some extent, but it's kind of diluting that much down into a much healthier place.
2: Mm. I have, uh, Jeff, I have another question if you're okay. If changing yeah. it's changing topics a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good. Um Harriet, another one I see a lot in our in our demographic in our industry is people will binge and then they will literally go home and do an hour or two of cardio. And they get caught in this situation where Well, if I eat bad, I can just burn it off with uh I'll kill myself into (laughs) doing this, you know, and like how what that's a tough one to coach through, but I've we've all experienced, I know a lot of coaches out there experienced it. Um I guess, you know, how do we how do we coach around that? Because I mean, I get it, like it's like, okay, I'd screwed up, I'm gonna go burn a bunch of calories. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really works that way. And, you know, they end up still with body image issues because the weight piles on. How do we, how, how do you, have you, have you encountered that? And then what is going on there? Like, just give us kind of the underlying and and, and go from there.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, masses of overexercise in a way is a, what you'd almost call atypical bulimia nervosa. So more typically uh-huh. with bulimia, people use self-induced vomiting, laxatives, but over exercise if you're doing it for hours and particularly in relation to a binge that is just another form of purging really okay so yeah. I mean I guess it's kind of helping people to understand that cycle that That's they're cool. in because the yeah. trouble is you know if you're doing loads of exercise again you're really vulnerable like you to like binging again and you know um, and a lot of it, I mean, I just think myself, you know, I used to suffer from bulimia myself. Yeah. And I think in recovery, once I stopped purging, one of the really healing things was just realizing, OK, if I have a binge, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I'm probably yeah. going to gain like, what, a couple of pounds. But, do you know, what I mean,
2: it's, it's mostly not water weight, I mean, you know, it's mostly water weight at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I try to operate um, with logic like that, but it seems like you can't jump right into that. Um, you know, so, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, I, that's a tough one that I've, I've struggled with getting, um, clients to, to kind of break the cycle. But I guess like you, you kind of said like self-awareness, like you gotta be aware that it's, it's an issue, you know, that cause, cause, cause exercise is a good thing. Right. And so they think, well, I'm just going to go do this good thing and then it becomes a bad thing. And so I think I, it sounds like you're saying self-awareness is at least the first step there, um, in that.
3: Yeah, and no, absolutely. And I think working a bit with the ambivalence, like putting it back to them as well, because I guess there will be pros and cons of doing that behavior, won't there? And like, you know, often yeah. if people are overexercising, like, you know, the immune system's compromised, is not and yeah. it was getting injured. And um, metabolic getting,
2: fall actually over time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's kind of like really engaging, I guess, with those cons and realizing that
2: mm-hmm. okay. you know,
3: it's not working quite the way they think it is.
2: Okay. Got it.
0: With the um, recovery process, Harriet, how long is the recovery for most of these conditions? Like, can they range wildly or what what have you seen?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a longer term recovery process, I guess, we're talking probably years to fully recover. Um, And I think the sad thing is, is I think people often don't seek help until they've often lived with an eating disorder for a few years. So it means that yeah. so many of the behaviors have become like habits and quite entrenched and part of identity. So it's harder to let go of. Um, so, yeah, it's like longer term treatment. I mean, I think with bulimia and binge eating and if you're more like a normal healthier weight, mm-hmm. you can make a lot of progress in recovery in like, you know, six months to a year and really turn things around. Mm-hmm. I think with anorexia nervosa when people are maintaining an you know an underweight weight for their body that is more challenging because I think people are often really terrified of letting that go but staying mm-hmm. in the underweight place you know perpetuates all the problems so mm-hmm. it can be definitely a longer journey
0: what are the main differences between anorexia and bulimia in terms of the effects on the body
3: um i mean i guess with anorexia nervosa people are maintaining a body weight that is underweight so i guess that does compromise the body more in terms of like all the metabolic processes hormones you know hair falls out poor skin and um, you know yeah lots of things i guess that really kind of you know feeling cold all the time um you know disruption of hormones losing your menstrual cycle losing your sex drive so i guess in a way, sometimes the, the symptoms of anorexia, the signs of anorexia can kind of be more severe.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But and then with bulimia, I guess people are more often normal weight or overweight. So they are they may be still experiencing some starvation symptoms because they're in cycles of restriction between the binges. But the main impact, I guess, of like, you know, with binging and purging is that like particularly purging a lot. You know, your teeth are going to be really affected really disrupt really? your electrolytes your potassium and sodium um, so you know you could even give yourself a heart attack in like very it's very very rare but in severe cases so um i guess that's a distinction more between with anorexia because you're more underweight believe me you're probably more likely to be normal weight so slightly different um symptoms there yeah jeff
0: you look like you're about to ask a question
1: yeah, no, I really wanted her elaborate on the teeth one, because we know that like gut health has something to do with periodontalists, you know, and all the other stuff. But I wanted to get about the teeth. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I was just intrigued by that.
3: Yeah, so I guess the main thing is like with bulimia, you are bringing stomach acid, which is pH 2, you know, very strong acid on the um, pH scale up into your mouth. And um, so and your your mouth naturally is a neutral pH that's got, you know, pH seven. So when you are sick and bringing the acid into your mouth, your salivary glands and everything are having to work massively over time to try and neutralize um, your mouth. And that's almost sort of impossible, really. So your, um, you know, your dental, your teeth are exposed to acid. And it's going to do a lot of damage because, um, you know, acid in the stomach is pretty hardcore, really. PH2 is pretty strong.
0: Yeah. So th- that could lead to um, what's similar to leaky gut or intestinal permeability, <laughs> where you're wearing down on the enamel and the teeth and the gums and allowing food particles from these binges to then enter um, your, your circulation, really. Um, I think that's similar to intestinal permeability and in the cytokine storm, which can be triggered by that, which can exacerbate, um, autoimmune diseases like, uh, like Hashimoto's or psoriasis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really, that's really helpful to see the two distinctions. Now, what about people who just, you know, prefer to eat very, very healthy? Like, is that, re- is that something that's really wrong? Like, I mean, like for me, for example, after I get off of this podcast, I'm going to weigh out seven ounces of lean beef and 143 grams of rice because that's exactly the amount of grams that are in half a half cup of uh, jasmine rice or one cup rather one cup, sorry. And probably, you know, two cups of green beans. And I eat that exact meal at this time every day. And I don't feel I love this meal. Now, is that an eating disorder as well? Good question. Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs)
3: i mean so tricky isn't it i guess there's so much nuance in it isn't there because of i mean i would imagine you are eating that but your cognitions and your mood are you know you're feeling satisfied you're not beating yourself up for that you're you know
0: (laughs) i enjoy it. but here's the thing like if somebody said hey jeff let's go out for chick-fil-a like a friend of mine said hey i want to take you out for lunch you know i haven't seen you in a while i want to go go get chick-fil-a with you it's, a, it's like a fast food place in, in the U.S. If you it's God's it. chicken. God's chicken, yes. And then I would say, no, I don't want to go socialize with you and eat Chick-fil-A. I would rather <laughs> stay at home and eat my beef and rice and green beans. And I would feel good about that. I don't feel deprived doing that. However, it, uh, there is a little part of me that says, oh, you know, I kind of miss my friend a little bit. But overall, I feel great. I'm more important. So I'm going to eat my Beef and, and rice and green beans. Now, well, that's that- just
2: your narcissistic nature kicking in. <laughs> well, that's a different- the funny
3: thing is, like, could you be flexible and go out and have the chicken sometimes?
0: Or I could. Is it- I could. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. I just prefer to reach my own goals, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess it just shows, doesn't it? Like with every individual, there's a lot of nuance and we yes. can't really make assumptions. Um, and I guess I would be fascinated, like to sit down with you in a therapy session. And
2: oh gosh,
0: <laughs> I need all sorts of therapy. <laughs> he needs a ton
2: of therapy. <laughs> 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 I mean, we probably all do, but Jeff, Jeff might take the cake. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: yeah, I guess it's ultimately, isn't it? It's when. Is a problem for someone if it's right. causing them a lot of anxiety, if they're never seeing their friends, if they, you know, if it's taking over like a disproportionate amount of life in an unhealthy way. So they're not, they're not able to like study or do their job or, you know, so I, I guess it just shows the importance, doesn't it? Of really listening into that person's story and looking at the detail and not making assumptions.
0: Yeah. The, the problem with the bodybuilding fitness world I think is that we're all very goal-oriented. Goal we all have these like big goals we wanna achieve with our bodies and that translates into you know, business and, and career and all that stuff. And it's very easy to you know push aside social events and food and all that stuff and say, no, I'm focusing on my prep or I'm focusing on this and that mm-hmm. almost as like a defense mechanism or an excuse or whatever. So that's where the lines get really blurred. And it takes a lot of introspection to realize what you're really doing. Like, are you really working hard or are you really just trying to escape from situations that would make you feel anxious and uncomfortable?
3: Mm, yeah, I think it's a great point, isn't it? And it shows the importance, I guess, for all of us just to be regularly questioning why we're doing things and to check that we are leading our life genuinely in line with our values and what's most important and yeah. not getting, you know, a bit sucked down different avenues and, um, Yeah. For the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah. You guys have anything else? I think I'm good. Yeah. No,
1: I think I'm really good. I'll I'll be honest. I think that we covered the biggest thing ever, which is you can see by this episode that it's outside our scope and we should be helping people get to someone like Harriet and be people who, you know, like understand where they're at because coaches have one good skill, just like, Therapists do. We're really good listeners because we've been through it ourselves and have dealt with lots of people who've been through it. But understanding when it's real hard and real heavy, you don't always have to be everybody else's hero. You can have a team surround you and someone like Harriet. Do you do consultations? Like if we were to refer people your way? OK, that's even more beautiful. Um, can pe- how do people get a hold of you? Find your work, all that stuff. Let's share that so that way you know people can resource it. Sure.
3: So, yeah, I've got a podcast which is called The E.T. Disorder Therapist. I'm on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist with underscores in between. And my website is the eating disorder So nice and easy, really the eating disorder therapist, basically. Um, if you put that into Google, um, I should come up.
0: Awesome. There we go. two other questions for you. What's your favorite food to eat and what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs>
3: oh, um, Probably Taylor Swift song, maybe out of the woods. I don't know why I really like that woods. one. Okay, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. And my favorite food, um, probably like roast chicken dinner, like with, um, so like roast chicken, like roast potatoes, like all the vegetables, gravy, all yeah. of that. That's so
0: that's really good on a day like this. Uh,
1: I have a question for you. What kind of music do you listen to?
3: <laughs> really uncool music uh, no,
1: you're, you're no, sure. nothing so, so, you know Sue so I mean hey I was going to ask what your favorite Black Dahlia Murder song was but I figured once you knew a Harriet uh, a uh, Taylor Swift song that was a no-go I was just curious yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah shit alright whatever you'd be training harder and be further along if you listen to my metal I'm just saying Harriet <laughs> hey, hey, I do have one question if you could impart one piece of advice to someone who is questioning whether or not they maybe have an eating disorder mm. where should they start and you know um to kind of be able to flesh this out for themselves so they know where to go for help yeah
3: so sure. i mean i think i say initially just like tell someone that you trust open up to someone whether it be a friend or a family member who you know that you know is going to be like someone you can trust someone who's accepting someone's going to be helpful and then because i think even that move of saying it out loud to someone can h- really help reduce shame and then you can get some support as well in terms of the next step maybe thinking about getting some help
1: i think that's beautiful advice sue do you have anything to wrap up this was a great podcast good call on the topic man
0: mm-hmm. thanks yeah no i really appreciate your time harriet definitely. um definitely. You know, we'll definitely um you know be referring some people over to you so you know, when we um, finish recording, we will post this, I will mm-hmm. tag you in it. And uh, hopefully you get some consultations, some new clients that you can help out. So yeah. thank you.
3: Okay, now, brilliant. So does it literally go out like straight away then? does
2: it? I
1: literally get it done within about 30 minutes to an hour. We've just been doing it for almost two years. So I'm just quick at editing now. It's
2: not that hard. Wow, Master. Great.
1: Yeah, no, but it helps when we got good guests like you that we don't have to go back and like clean up a bunch of shit. And it's a very organic flowing conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the one thing that we really enjoy having people like you who can just keep up and, and have a great conversation. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm sure you'll get people your way um, because that kind of work is growing more and more in this space. But people get confused. I'm like, I mean, if you're confused over eating healthy food, then you probably need help outside my scope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I get it. So thank you for joining us very much.
0: It's much needed in the fitness world. It Um, is. You know, everyone
1: tries to be Jesus in the fitness space and they should be worried about more about being apostles to Jesus at the end of the day. You know, if you're looking at a religious connotation there and to like walk away with. So, um, Hey, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. So you want to wrap this baby up? I'm going to give it to you, baby. It's your eyes. It's your show. That's you're sexy.
0: That, man. We'll just keep on working hard and, uh, you know, everyone have a good weekend and Hey, you know, it's my birthday this weekend. I'm turning 38, but please don't fucking DM me and tell me happy birthday. I hate that shit.
2: What That's about a text message? It. Don't fucking text me either. I don't care. Don't. What if fucking I send you a sexy pic? It. I don't want any pics from Jason.
1: Me. I've seen your sexy picture. You've already forgot that, yeah.
2: You yeah have. yeah you you g- yeah
1: yeah no I did not because you kept sending me. T- Jason actually sent me a picture of his D thinking it was Aria because I was in the same stream, <laughs> and then he's like, oh shit, and then starts sending me text messages to get his dick off my screen, and I'm just like. Jason is still there. Bye-bye. I mean, like, I drew a cute sombrero on it. So most people don't know this. My shirt for PE6 was actually a picture of Jason's penis when it had, like, a cowboy hat on it. It had a lasso, and I put a cowboy's jersey on it. Like, I had drawn it up in Canva. I should send you a picture of what your penis looks like in Canva,
2: Jason. <laughs> All right. And yeah, not but one of my finest moments. Not one of my
1: finest moments. Not one of your finest moments, for sure. <laughs> but it was funny. Oh, uh, that's what you get with us, at A good time, for sure. All right, guys, we all have yourself a great day, and uh, this will be out all soon. Right, are we, we hanging are on
0: for five? Yeah, chat for a minute. Yeah. All right. Peace. Okay, thank you.